The Big Light presents Hello, I'm Sean McDonald. You're listening to Blethered. In this episode, it's me having a conversation with my grandpa, Brian McDonald. We've always been very close and I wanted to sit down and talk to him about his life and experiences and about our relationship and memories together. I think it's important to do things like this with the people closest to you and I can't explain how lucky I feel to be able to have done it. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed recording it and if you do, feel free to share it because it helps massively. This podcast relies on word of mouth alone and I'm always very grateful. Cheers. So for a long time, I've been wanting to get my hero, the person I look up to most, the person I want to be like most, uh, for my family and on the podcast to chat. And unfortunately, my uncle Paul's busy today, so my grandpa's agreed to stand in. Thanks very much for being being second choice. Right, Sean. First of all, how much am I getting for this? <laughs> never had um, another nation money. Aye, I'll sort you. We'll sort you. I'll right, take okay, you. Okay. I'll take you for something to eat. Right, okay. <laughs> I'll do. So, born in 1947, the youngest of 16 brothers and sisters. I mean, let's talk about your memory of what life was like then, because I know it's stating the obvious to say that things were completely different. What's your memory of just general life, just being a wee boy at, the, at that time? I was uh, born in 1947, the youngest of 16 in your family. Yeah. Started school at five. Mm. And funny enough, I remember my first teachers. My memory, my memory is no great, but my long time, long t- term memory is really good. Oh, remember, that's ridiculous. Remember my first teacher, Miss McNaughton. What was what was school like? Because you obviously hear all the stories of it being like a really tough, hard place. Um, famously, Billy Connolly around about the same time was at school, and he doesn't have many fond memories. He says that the teachers were quite sadistic. I mean, what was your experience? They were, they were, I went to St Ninians and they're actually quite brutal. Some of the teachers, but know them all, but some of them were. Especially when it came to religious education, they're quite, quite, quite brutal. In fact, one of the teachers would give me a, a Mr Tiernan, he, he, he loved to hit the kids with a leather belt. And I found out years later when I went to my Uncle Pat's funeral, it was actually related to me. Bloody hell. You know what I mean? I found out, say, so sitting down and have a wee bite to eat after the funeral and, and finding out. I asked him, yeah, how do you know my Uncle Pat? He said it was my uncle as well. So he must have known. That's how sort of related. And that, that was a teacher? That was a teacher. How does, did, did that, like, not you go too deep into it, and I know it's, it's quite a general question, but did, do you think your experiences in school impacted you throughout life, or were you able to just kind of cast it off and just be like that's just one of those things that happened at that time well I know a lot of people feel like that and I've spoke to people that feel like that mm. but I think it's got some sort of effect on you say through your life I, th- I don't think you can completely shake that off you would think so because you know being younger and you hear all these stories like we'll talk about some of these stories but stories of you going to work down the mines as a child yeah. or having to make your way to school and we'll go through these 
as much as I hear them and you go, oh, that's terrible, in my mind, especially as a wee boy hearing these, I'd be like, oh, but that was the olden days when everything was in black and white or grey. And it's quite hard to, I don't know, make any association. But now if I imagine like Emily or Isla, so, like, so my two cousins, your two granddaughters, or even Erin or Thomas, um, again, for my two cousins for, for anybody listening, if I imagine that happening to them, it's horrifying and you think, God, you'd need years of therapy to go over something like that. Because imagine like a teacher taking like pleasure at hitting you. Or, yeah, I know. It's horrendous. Um, how did you used to get to school? Because I kind of want to paint this picture of what your life was like. Right. I stayed in a wee place called Ockenairn. And uh, the nearest bus stop was the Bishop Briggs for, for re- regular buses. Mm. So we walked a mile and a half. And you think about it, when I was six years old, you had a mile and a half to get a bus. <laughs> you, you could see if that was to happen now, you get your kids taken off you. You'd have the social yeah. service, rightly, yeah, the social yeah, services yeah. at your door. But, but you, just, you accepted it, you didn't think there was anything, you didn't right. think really about it, that was just the way it was. What was your mum and dad like? We've spoken about this a wee bit. I never but, really got to know my dad. My dad died when I was 13. Hmm. Uh, my mother was just a, she was just a lovely woman. She, she was. My mum said she was quite intimidated by her. Did my mum meet her? Or maybe uh, I'm thinking of somebody else. Uh, uh, maybe a maybe a grand said that. Mm. Uh, Aye, somebody did. They because, felt quite intimidated. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, your grand died before your mother was born. No, sorry. Your So yeah. So my mum's grand. Your mum. Aye, that's right. What year did she pass away? Uh, 1977. Right, okay. No, so my mum, it was my mum, she said. So my mum was born in 72. And I think she said she remembers, I don't know, like being teased or whatever, but just no feeling. There probably wasn't much like a connection between them as well. That's another thing. See, we being the youngest and having 16 siblings, I mean, that is is mental. Um, What was, were you babied or were you kind of just like, I don't mean to say this in a harsh way, but I can imagine at that time they'd be like, do you know what? I can't be asked. Like, I've just done this with 16 other kids. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right, Sean. I think that was exactly hey, the way it was. Just couldn't but, bother. But, but people really don't understand that they're sitting in a family. When I was, like, in my early teens, my dad died when I was 13. Hmm. It was only me and my two brothers that was in the house. People think there's hundreds of lanes running about, but it wasn't like that. Because, like, so for, again, for the benefit of people listening, so you've got siblings who upped and left and went to America and went to Australia and stuff. Like, we bumped into, I guess it was 2018, me, you, Auntie Cheryl, I think Erin and Jen was there. And uh, you said, oh, no way, there. and you went over and spoke to somebody and you're talking for 10, 15 minutes. What's happening with this? What's happening with that? And when you came back, and I went, who was that? And you went, oh, that's my sister. Right. And that's really hard for me to compute because right. while our family on well, the McDonald side is mental and is, is um, dysfunctional, the same as anybody's family. Every family's mental. But we're all very tight-knit right. and we always know what everybody's up to. No one would like a way of prying, but you just always know what somebody's up to. So for... For you to say, oh, I've not seen her for quite a few years or I didn't know where she was staying, to me was so yeah. hard to compute. But 
I mean, I, were I, you aware I, of that, that, that you didn't have any connection yeah, to these I, people? I, I think when your mother dies in the family, the rest of the family, some of them sort of drifts apart. Mm. And that's the way it was with, with my own mother. When mm-hmm. she died, family just, just eventually see me as a drifts apart. Because mm-hmm. the, the mother sort of holds the family together. They meet in place as well for, I, for the family. I know what you mean. Normally. What, what you, so were you 14 or 15 when you left school? I was 15. In school. Straight down to the mines? Went to the, and the thing is about working in the pits, you went for training at a place called Falkirk mm. and you're 15 and you had to go down the mine shafts for your training. Aye. And I was absolutely... I'm not a squeamish person, you know... I was absolutely terrified to go down this mine shaft. No wonder. Was there ever dangers yet collapsing? Well, no, no, it was, I was actually perfectly safe. But the thing was, it dawned on me years later why I was so scared. My uncle, uh, Pat, got killed in a disaster uh, a year before. Mm. And that must have been my mind. Although I wasn't conscious mm-hmm. <laughs> at the time. It must have been that. I don't so, think so you need it. to. I don't. You need to provide any explanation for why, as a fifteen-year-old child, you'd be petrified to go down a mine shaft in order to. Well, I, I know. I know what you're saying, Sean. But none of the other boys seemed. To, it didn't seem to bother them. Well, I, I would argue that it did, but they just they just had it because if anything, I've learned over life is that everybody, most people have got the same fears, but not everybody. We'll show it. My favourite story, what was the thing you said to the, the guy beside you on your first day when you asked him about, I don't want about playtime? Aye, I just went to playtime. I was just, I was just, I'll, I'll say it in case, I'll, I'll tell it as a way I've heard it for you right, before because right. I, I feel you're a wee bit apprehensive or reluctant to say it on mic, but you'll relax over time. Yeah? Um, you turned into the guy and said, what time's playtime? And your return of events is, and this is verbatim, the only reason I didn't get my cunt kicked in is because he thought I was kidding on. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> How long did you work in the mind? Because you've had, you've had a whole load of different jobs. I mean, I've always known you was doing the one thing. Yeah. But you, you did loads of work. So what, how long were you doing the mines? I wasn't there long. No? No, no, I wasn't there. I was there. Just wasn't it for you? Or? Maybe for me, but the thing was, uh, the fair holiday was coming up. And you'd get your hold, you'd get your holiday pay, mm-hmm. which was a few bob then. So I worked uh, up to the fair. But I was never actually down the pit. I worked in the table. You call the tables. You sort out the the, the coal, mm. the stones for the, for the actual coal. Was it well paid? I, it was not bad paid then. It was, I'll tell you how much it was. It was four pound fifty a week, <laughs> but it was no bad then. I wouldn't even get you your train to your work. These days, I suppose, I know, I know. inflation is just... I suppose everything's re- relative. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And what did you then move on to? Oh. See, what's funny, and it, I know you've just kind of went to remember there, is that I'm the same as you, and I've always known you to be this way, where I'll say something to you and you'll forget it within about half a day. But if you remember something, if it's even now, two years ago, five, ten, twenty, yeah, fifty, yeah, yeah. as if it was yesterday... But, I mean, was did you then start working? Were you putting were you like a door fitter? 
I was a door fitter, but I did various other things. I don't think it's even worthwhile going into those Aye, things. But just, just kind of thing, my jobs. But I did various, various jobs. Yeah. Uh, is that where you lost your finger, hanging the doors at the Armadillo? Uh, yeah. No, it wasn't the Armadillo. It was uh, the new hospital at the time at Kilmarnock. Right, okay. Yeah. The ladder collapsed. So you've you've always had four fingers on one hand. And the no. stories you've heard, I've heard that... Your boat got torpedoed in World War Two. <laughs> that'll be the war that ended when you were two years old. I mean, no, forty-four. So that'll be the war that ended three years before you were born. But yeah, your boat got torpedoed, and, and, and the shark, the shark took my finger. Aye, the shark took your finger. Uh, the funny stories. You know, there's still kids and kittens all who come up to me and say, Can I show, "Show my pal your finger. Tell, tell him what happens." <laughs> then I'll, I forget what story I've told him. <laughs> See, that's why you should just tell the truth. It was when your, your aeroplane got shot out of the sky. Uh, you can see where you... I wonder if you get your humour. Because, like, me and you have got the same sense of humour. We laugh at the same things. You'll say the same joke every time we go for something to eat. Like, if we go to that place, Bill's, you'll say to the waitress every single time, is Bill in the day? Or is it Bill that made it? And I'll piss myself laughing, and the last year will just look at us as if we're two assholes. But I, I find that funny. Now, I think... My sense of humour has been passed down for you because we find the same things funny. We say the same things. We make the same jokes. We've just got the same sense of humour. But also, I wonder if it's if it's inherited. Just do you know what I mean? Like sort of genetically, because your brother Alec, like what a laugh he is, he's and a he's funny, funny guy. he is really funny, and he's got the same sense of humour. Do you think that? Do you think that? Did you get that for him? Because he he's obviously about twenty years older than you. Alex actually ninety three, ninety three just now. I suppose so. I think you're right. I think it's in the family. I think big families have got a sense of humour. Aye, you know, because a lot of a lot of things going on in the house, a lot of kids knowing. Aye, and that you know what I mean. Like when a lot of these stories. Like mind we went for me, you, and Alec went for lunch. When was this? Just before lockdown, wasn't it? It was like January. I think. Uh, I think it was just before I, I went to Venice. Yeah. So it must have been like February. And um certainly I and I don't see Alec anywhere near as often as I see you. And so we're sitting and uh, he's asking me about holidays. Oh, that's what it was there. I was there to book his holiday for him. Yeah. And uh, he's asking me where do you fancy going? And I said, Do I fancy going to Bali? Like I really want to go and spend like a month. I think it would be amazing. And then he says, Ah yeah, I've been to Bali during World War II. I was I was stationed there. So I'm like what are you, aye? <laughs> I don't know why I didn't assume he was obviously taking the piss. And he says, aye, aye, my, my, I was flying a fighter jet and my plane gets shot down by the Germans. And he says, I crash landed. And he said, so the whole time I'm going, fucking no way. I can't believe that. And then he says, aye, I was a terrible pilot. I get shot down about seven times. I used to go with this woman, right? And uh, she wasn't naive or anything like that. But... <clears throat> She said to me one day, I think it's great uh, uh, your Alec flew uh, fighter planes <laughs> <laughs> during the war. Oh, that's said, amazing. Uh, so that, then maybe that's for you, get it? I said, how, how do you know that? He says, it was, it was telling me. Was uh, telling <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> my mum says, so you had a, was it a Labrador called Bruce? No, my sister had it. Uh, uh, and my mum says that for years, she believed that 
Ewan Bruce were on this boat for the Navy in World War II and the boat got torpedoed and you and Bruce had to swim to safety and the shark came to get Bruce but you and you intervened and protected him and that's how you lost your finger and it's like just it's, it's hilarious well, how well, these well, 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 well talking to your mother I was brought up in the council house right and you about not even a quarter of a mile away there was this big mansion right and we were brought up really poor we had nothing right but I told your mother that yeah, we stayed in that house <laughs> and we'd horse and carriages <laughs> and with servants and what the mother did in the winter, she sent the servants' kids out to, <laughs> to play for us. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was too cold for us. And, and, and your mother believed that. She believed that. Right? But uh, the niece stayed in uh, Springburn. A man had a garage and she used to go in there now and again and stay. And she went down there and she must have been telling my niece these stories about mm-hmm. how rich her dad was, how rich his, his, his mum and dad were. She came in one day back up the Anne, <coughs> up the Anne's house, and she ran in, pointing at me, You, you, poor, poor. <laughs> what, what do you mean? And told me everything about <laughs> <laughs> My mum says a story where, and you can get away with this now that we've given the pretext that you did grow up very poor. And while you, you, I'm, oh, I'll not go into this one. I wouldn't say you were dark poor when I'm, my mum and that was was growing up. Or would, would you? Would you say I, that? Aye, right? aye. So my mum says that you would. Um, she had quite a few times. You'd it'd be like raining, and you'd be in the car just you and her. And you pull up at the bus stop and roll down the window and say, I'll not tell you again. Stop laughing at these people just because they're standing <laughs> waiting on a bus. <laughs> they are not peasants. Not as said, she'd be like, on one hand, feeling awful. And also being like, what are you talking about? We are pretty much in the same position as them. But then also like just dying to burst it laughing. Um, I suppose I'd like to talk about as well your brother Terence. How, how close in age were you to? There were three years so, in, a, right. in, in, in one month between us. And you were good pals, weren't you? Uh, all, all our life were good pals. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the stories, I'll start with, I'll, I'll kind of tell this one. Um, and you told me this for the first time when me and you were walking under the bridge at Central Station and you had spent all your money, you and t- what, you 18 or something, you'd spent all your money uh, drinking. Uh, and you, and you couldn't get any money, like you didn't have any money to get a bus or a taxi renting up the road. It would have been a bus back then, I suppose. A bus, yeah. And uh, Terence has spotted a guy, a blind guy that's that's begging on the street. Yeah. So yeah. he's walked over and he's like saying, he's tiptoed over to this guy and he's like moving in pure silence like a ninja and he's moving at millimetre speed, hardly moving. And he goes to gently put his hand, was it, into the guy's tray. Into his bonnet. Into his bonnet. The guy's strung a wee bonnet. To, to, get, like, to lift a fiver or to lift a pound out. And then the, the blind guy's no budging because he's not aware that he's there. And then out of a second, just grabs his hand. <laughs> well, <laughs> Stops actually, him. Actually, then a fiver was about half a, half a week's wages. Right. Then, then it was just coppers. And Terrence walked up and went up his hand in his, in his wee bonnet. And the guy grabbed his hand. <laughs> <laughs> he's no daft what about the time when you went for you went for something to eat and you gave the guy a tenner but he only gave you change a fiver 
that was a restaurant uh, 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 walking up Sudbury Street, and uh, my, and my wife had a meal. And a tenor was a tenor then. It was, it was the sixties. I had a meal, and she gave us change of five. Can you believe that? That's how cheap things were. Mm. Well, they weren't really cheap because that, that was ah, it's relative, but... re relative. Anyway, they said that no, no, they insisted that it was a five. They come back on the Monday. To be checked at all, we'll check it all. So back in the Monday, and they, no, no, it all was fine. I said, okay then. So I waited a few weeks, and back in my brother terms, and we sat. I had a meal, I had a meal, possible rods and drinks. And you get a guy ran off his feet, the waiter? The waiter was run off his feet. The thing was, there was a, a nice couple sitting right next to us. And they were sort of chatting and got friendly. And I'm thinking to myself, please stop talking, because we've got to bolt, bolt, <laughs> bolt out of here. Anyway, eventually, that's what we did. We just got up and walked out. We wouldn't have done that, but, but they did cheat me. Ah, I mean, try to rob you. Try to rob me. What happened at the time yeah, you and Terence were driving about in the moped? Well, what happened there was uh, a discreet moped. I mean, we do it, it drinking. So I'm back to, up to the and we're drinking again. Right? So I said, right, Terrence, about two o'clock in the morning, I said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go home. So I'm back and the bike wouldn't start. So I'm back up to tap to his door. I says, Terrence, you need to get on to start this bike. Come on, start. So he come down and he pushed the bike and it started. But he jumped in the back of the bike. He jumped in the pillion. Street. So I, it was Lawrence Street in Partick, so I got to the to the end of the road, did a U-turn to come back to go to the main road by his road. Anyway, a police car came facing me, right? Anyway, I slowed down it turns this close in Lawrence Street. I said, right, turns, you get off here, right? I'll I'll just keep going. And turns is full of fun. Oh, just just keep going, just keep going. <laughs> so it's over. Well, at two o'clock in the morning, knew if you didn't buy a road at two o'clock in the morning, it would be mobbed. Aye, uh, it would be busy. There was not a soul of it. So I got to buy a road and hear them down the road and just wee bike. And I ended up going to the pavement, it was a big wide pavement, still the same. And the bike skidded, two has come after the bike. <laughs> <laughs> so Terrence, he kept running down, down by a road. I ran up past the, the cop car and the cop was just opening the door to get out and I, I shoved the door and he, he, he fell back inside the car, his car. So I got I back out into Lawn Street, back up into Terence's house and me and Terence's wife was looking out and we're looking at the cops going up and doing the closest. But this time, <laughs> but this time my brother was sitting in the back of the... Cop car. <laughs> so they caught him rapid. Caught him rapid. The end result of that was it uh, spent spent uh, it was it was Fair Friday. So he spent the whole weekend in the sentence <laughs> in the cells. The thing was, Fair Friday the courts are shot on a Monday. Mm -hmm. So it's, it isn't it really funny, but when you look back, it was it, it, it is, is funny. It is funny, you know what I mean? He was, he was in the cells to Tuesday. <laughs> 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 they, appeared, they appeared in court. 
Uh, we're actually supposed to go on holiday that, uh, that Saturday. So it was a fair, 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 fair weekend. We're going to Girvan on holiday. Anyway, Thursday to, to, to Tuesday. Oh. And I was I was really looking forward to going and seeing him. <laughs> I was staying in a caravan in terms of digs. So eventually I went up to see him right, and this wee place to stay in. And I walked in <laughs> and Thames is lying in a wee bed, he says, right, lying in the bed, with his two hands behind his head. And all he said to me when I walked, <laughs> walked in was, there's only, you know. <laughs> he said, you're getting done. No, he, says, he just says, they're on to you, as if the cops know what happened. Aye, aye. Uh, to cut a long story short, I never heard any more about it. Oh, that's hilarious. Did you, did you just work together on the, the building site? Aye, aye. So, we worked a couple of different places together. Here's an example of, of humour being passed down genetically, because I'd never heard you tell this story, but talk to him about the labels and the tins All right. and the canteen. Right. Well, there was a bunch of guys and we we wouldn't hot we used to go there for, for lunch break, tea breaks and stuff like that. And there's guys there's guys that was friends, friends for life, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's bring in tins of stuff like soup, custard, stuff like that. And you know the Bolden site it was what the best laughs you could ever ever get. We analyzed a bunch of guys together. Aye. They, they could be nuts, you know what I mean? Anyway, one of the wee things, well, it was me, me, and, me and Terrence would do this, right? We would take all the, all the, all the labels out the tins. <laughs> See, me and my pal <laughs> did that at a party. Me and my mate, Kenny is getting another mention. Kenny gets a mention on us every second episode, but me and Kenny went to a party in the Gorbals and uh, we just planked ourselves in the kitchen and we, like, we, they had hundreds of tins because they were students. I can't remember their names now. Um, this was like 10 years ago. We ripped all the labels off the tins and they had hundreds. So everything they had like peach chunks or pineapple chunks, pe- tin peaches, and then it was like soup. I wonder where you get that idea. I know, I know. But that's the thing. I'd never heard you tell that story. Oh, right. But another thing we did, which which I found hilarious, and this is kind of where a lot of my humour comes from. My, my, what I find funny doesn't always come from the immediate payoff. It comes from imagining what will happen in the future. So, there was three of these girls in this flat and they had like a, a whiteboard and each of them had their own column. So let's just say it was Emma and Emma had Monday, dentist, 1pm, uh, Tuesday, work, 4pm till 10pm. So we changed like her work shifts to like, I changed the day. So say she was working on a Tuesday, I wrote Monday. And then the dentist, we made it like one hour earlier. And we made like work an hour later, and like so. I just found that the funniest thing ever. Like just imagining the pure chaos, but the, the labels and the tins. Even back then, it was I say back then as if it's a pure olden days. But obviously now everything's Netflix and on demand. But it was DVDs at that time, and we swapped every single DVD into different cases. Mm-hmm. So we didn't just get two DVDs and swap them because that would be easy. The way we kind of thought about it was we'll make it really difficult. So. We'll take one DVD and put it in that case. Then we'll put another DVD, put it there. We had all the batteries for, for like the remotes and stuff, and we are just in tears of laughter the whole time this was happening. Then they ever get annoyed at you for ripping the labels off the tins because we get a lot of abuse for, for that. Well, what, what we got was we'd go about and we'd be, we'd be raging, right? We know who these people are, we know who's doing it. <laughs> it, it, it was me in terms. But 
they're all saying they couldn't prove it. Uh, I told you the story when they. When I when I was working in that office in Barcelona in 2014, it was just a wee daft job, and we were monitored for how long we were on the phone, and I just couldn't be asked. So I used to phone. I used to get like, I actually gave him a shout out: Dean Brown, George Carroll, and Sam Robson. And we used to just sit around this table and phone taxi companies in Glasgow, and I'd pretend to be an old guy. Oh, and I, that was funny. Like, I, 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 I think I get that type of thing for you as well, because I'd phone up, <clears throat> and I'll try and see if I can get a sound effect. Uh, Aye, right, okay, so I'll, I'll use a mic. So basically I'd phone up this unnamed taxi company in Glasgow and the guy would answer and see when he, he would go, hello, taxi cars. And I would say, okay, Margaret, now I'm just going to call the taxi. Hold on, what's the number? So he's like, yeah, taxi cars have answered. And I'm like, <laughs> so I'd start going, five, five, five. So then he's like, no, yeah, we've answered. So he'd let me go through this whole rigmarole eventually. And at first he's like, oh, that's cute, the old guy. So like, hello there, one taxi, please. So he's like, okay, where are you? My house. <laughs> so he's like, right, okay, where's your house? And I'm like, it's on my street. So then he's going, oh, fuck, he's like, fuck's sake. Right, where are you going? Asda, please. Okay, what Asda are you going to? The one close to my house. So then it's back and forward and for ages. And then eventually I'm like, it's okay, I'll just I'll call back another time. So then, like, it would phone him back maybe 20 minutes later or something. And he'd be like, hello, big... Oh, fuck, I've done it again. Nearly said, <laughs> nearly said the name of the taxi company. I did that the last time I told this story. So then he would, like, uh, he'd answer. And then once he answered, every time he spoke, I'd press a number. So he'd go, hello, and just keep doing this and pressing the numbers. And the guy would be going absolutely mental. And he's like... <laughs> Eventually screaming, I'm fucking daft. <laughs> no, this isn't an old guy. And he'd just be in absolute tears of laughter, like killing ourselves, man. So life-wise, obviously you're getting older. By the time you were 25, you had four kids, didn't you? Was it 25 and you had four? Uh, or maybe was it 27? 27. Aye, because tw- then Uncle Paul came two years later, didn't he, after my uh, mum. Uh, so you've got four kids at 27. Now, I can't even imagine that. Was that the done thing, or was that a big young family even for that time? Yeah. Well, that's because you're not as, as responsible as me, Sean. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> a responsibility. Um, I, suppose, I suppose it was. Uh, yeah, but, you know, you just got on me. You just got on me. Right. I mean, it must have been challenging. I, I don't think I've ever asked you this, but what was the stress? Because I think that is a big difference between, I mean, people today and people back in, in your day, and I don't mean that in a patronising way, but I feel like life was tougher then, so you were just used to it constantly being challenging, whereas I think now people are like, no, it doesn't need to be that way. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Yeah, of course it makes, a, uh, it makes a bit of sense, but... I said to you before, Sean, you just got you just got on with your life. You, mm-hmm. you just you just you just did it. S- simple as that. What were the highlights? Because you had you did have great times as well, didn't you? Going on holidays to Port Patrick and things yeah, like that. we we went a lot of holidays with, with, with the kids all over all over Scotland. Yeah. Should, my mum's probably shouting that are shouting that a uh, car stereo than now and saying, "I we didn't take me because my mum." says that she get ditched a lot of times and I believe her. I do believe her. 
But what what is I suppose this is your opportunity to, to respond to her on that. Sorry about that, Tracy. <laughs> At least you're like, actually, actually, as long as you don't deny it, I think she'll be all right, as long as you take thing me. Um no, you but you did go a lot of places, didn't you? Yeah, we did uh, we did a lot a lot of places. Uh, in fact my, my oldest son Brian, uh, he, he he's got the bug. He goes a lot a lot of places, mm-hmm. a lot of places in Scotland. Aye. Been abroad and things like that as well. Uh, not so much Paul. Paul's knows that a holiday sort of person doesn't too much about it. No. Which I, I, I think I've taken that, but for me it's gone like abroad. Aye. Going to aye. countries I've been very lucky. Very, Globe sort of. Aye, very fortunate to go to a lot of places. But aye. that I don't know. Because we'll talk about that, that a wee bit later, but you and I went a lot of places and I had a bug of just being different Aye. Um, in different Aye. surroundings and seeing different things. And although it was Scotland, it, it obviously going up to like Perth or, or anywhere else is very different for like being Aye. in the city of Glasgow. There's quite a lot of funny stories though you've told me for, like over the years for staying. It was Kincard- like Auchinairn Beach Place, Kincardine Drive, that kind of thing where you lived Aye. with the family. Uh, gonna gonna tell the story about the guy. I have to protect identities to a to a degree. So Alec W. Yeah. yeah. About this about selling the tires to um, to Helen. Well, this is a neighbour. Yeah, he's a wee bit of a crook, but you know what? I liked him. I just uh, he, he, he was the sort of guy who was sugar at your tea. <laughs> he was such a nice nice guy. He really was. Anyway. The, Door chap one day in Garden Drive, and opened it was Alec. He says, uh, Miss McDonald, you're interested in not was woods. I was I was going to he heard I want to build a fence. Interested in buying buying some wood. I says, Aye, I'm sure. So he says, Come here, so outside, and there was all this wood at the side of the house. Exactly what I wanted. I says, I must I must have wee Alec for that. There was some ridiculous a fiver or something. I can't remember what I gave him. But anyway, mm. that was it. Ali went away. I'm sitting watching the telly Saturday afternoon and there's a chap at the door, next door neighbour. Forget forget his name again. Are you looking for me to tell you his name? No, no you. Are you just trying to remember? So I remember his name. Aye. Anyway. Call him John. Right, okay. And all right, John's at the door. Brian, have you seen he asked about his woods. I said, I said, Alex was just uh, the door uh, a couple of years ago. It was, it was his woods. So he'd taken it out of your next door neighbour's garden, put it in yours, and then charged you a fiver for it? I, well, he sold it to this guy first. Right. <laughs> right. He came and asked me if he wanted it. Was there no any repercussions? Yeah. Was there no any repercussions for him no, for that? No, no. I, I was up to so many, many things. Well, what was the one? The one I was saying to you to tell is when a woman, Helen, he's chapped her door and he says, are you looking to buy tyres? I've got these <coughs> new tyres. That's right. It was a, it was a young girl. She was quite a young girl. Had a wee car. He chapped her door. She says, uh, you interested in buying uh, four tyres? Four tyres, right? She says, I sure because he, he somehow knew the size of your tyres, right? Mm-hmm. It'll fit your car. So, sold, sold them to her, put them outside their house. Anyway, Alec went away, so the girl went down, rolled them down the garden to put them in her hut. She opened the door, there's no, her tyres were away. So he sold her her own tyres. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I suppose my I, my favourite one is the one with the, the budgie. Aye. What happened there? Oh, the same guy, same street. The guys heard that, the, the boys at Stain House heard a noise. They're in their bed. It's two o'clock in the morning and they come down and Alec was stoning in the middle of their living room. But it's black. <laughs> the two brothers are looking at him. He says, and Alex says right away, did the budgie fly in here? <laughs> he's saying he's looking for his budgie. <laughs> there's, pro- everybody, there's probably every area has got a sort of a character aye, like that. Aye, aye. That's hilarious. And he was a likeable, what a likeable guy he was. Mm. I mean, there was no badness in that guy. He was just nuts. It's obviously absolutely no secret that, that I'm a really big Celtic fan and so is my entire family. And I suppose for me anyway, that starts with you. I mean, how how often would you be at Celtic Park? Because you've got some funny stories as well for, for standing in the jungle. Yeah, there was a lot of funny things that sort of happened, but I got introduced to Celtic through my brother-in-law, Jim Hamilton, who sadly died when he was only 49 mm-hmm. in, uh, in America. But he took me, when I was fighting the first game, he took me when I was about 12. And I seen the famous Charlie Tully. Right, uh-huh. And the ball came, it came to the, the edge of the, we were, we were right down at the front, easy for me to see right down at the front. And I touched, I managed to touch the ball. Oh, did you? Well, uh, Celtic were actually getting beat and only won 4-3 that game. Mm. Yeah. And Jim says, well, because I touched the ball. <laughs> right. And I believe that. That'll I, stick I, me, I, won't it? Uh, 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 uh. How, how did it feel being, and this won't interest everybody, but I have to ask, because I don't think I ever have, which is surprising considering how much all we talk about Celtic when we're together. I mean, what was that like? What did the stadium look like? Who was the manager? Was that would it, was that Jockstein didn't come in until 1965? If you went when you were 12, that would have been 1959. Would that have been, would that have been James McGrory? That would be Jimmy, Jimmy McGrory. Aye. That would be him, aye. Mm-hmm. Jockstein yeah. would have been playing for the, the team at that time as well, at centre-back. Sean Fallon uh, would have been playing. I, I think, think Jock went to, went to England. He went, no, Jock went to Lanechley Town in Wales. That's it. He um, did. I must have left before 60. Bertie Old was around about the team for early 60s. Jimmy Johnston made his debut against Kilmarnock in 63. Aye. Do you know uh, Jinky made his debut? I think it was a 4 0 defeat at Rugby Park or a 5 0 defeat. Was it really? 63. You, you fast forward four years and we're, we're, we're playing in Lisbon uh, and, and obviously winning. Would have been Bertie, Ke- uh, Bertie Peacock would have been playing as well that time. Bobby Evans. Aye. Pat Crerans. Guys like that. Paddy Crerans, aye, before he went down to Manchester United. Well, uh, I met a great Jockstein. I got my picture taken with me and my brother-in-law who I'm talking about, Jim Hamilton, mm-hmm. and my oldest son, Brian. If anybody would like to see that photo, give me a shout, because I've got a picture of it, and it's amazing. It's you and Jock, and Brian's got the, the hoops on. He's, a, boy, he's got a, a, a green and white uh, tracksuit. Oh, is it? Aye. And aye. Uh, you've got, you look like... Uh, John Travolta on Saturday Night Fever. That's what you look like. It would have been in the 70s, wouldn't it? That was the 70s. Aye. aye and you've got the big the call. You look like you're going to a fancy dress party dressed as John Travolta. I know. It was absolutely brilliant. I, <laughs> um, I suppose we can, ju- we can just jump onto this, actually. No, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to your Lisbon trip because I think that's a sort of crowning point. But then, not to make this all about me, but your life is a certain way you've got you know, you've got your kids and all that, and then I come along. So this is partly the main reason I want us to have this conversation as well, because 
whether this was recorded or it wasn't, but I, I kind of want to have it for my my records to be able to look back on. Like, how did things change? Because I think when I came along, the dynamic changed a lot. You then become a grandfather quite young. How How is that? Because I've never asked you that. Like, how is that to compute? Because your world view, I don't know, your role in the world changes. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I think I think I know what you mean, Sean. But it's like I said earlier, you do take things in your in your stride. Mm. I was only forty two when you when you come along. It's really young. Aye, aye. I remember you got to about two. I was had you in the shop, right? And we were taking the thing, right? And you were asking me questions. I was this and that, and every second word was grandpa. And there was a wee woman, and she thought that was hilarious because I must have looked really young. She's looking at you and she's looking at me. He's like saying, Tell me, Grandpa, the second word. <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. Sorry for not realising that you're still trying to get battled into birds when, I, when I'm only really two old. years old. Um, like, obviously, we spent a lot, of, have always spent a lot of time together. Um, so many things. I mean, you remember I th- the trip up the campuses? The time when I fell and I said, You pushed me. Oh, I was just thinking about that time, but I know you're always making up stories, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> no, what happened with that? So, we one of the many things. I mean, I'll I'll round them off. Right, the regular stuff we did. We go swimming all the time together. We would go to Loudon Castle. Who remembers that? Was that Yesha? Yesha. Uh, we go to Loudon Castle. We go to M and D's. I'd come and stay. We'd watch films. We'd get a Chinese. I would get food to chippy. We'd have sweets. But my favourite thing was going up hill walking up the campuses and we would loads of people have done this for they say if you're fair where we come for you start at the bottom of the stream and you work your way up climbing up all the rocks until you get to the waterfall and it must be about a, a mile and a half about a mile anyway you're right uh, and, it, and it, which doesn't sound that much but when you're climbing up rocks it is a hell of a lot but if it was nice enough we would walk right up the campsite hills that's right. And then the time I'm referring to when I said you push me is, I says, right, mum, we'll have a race. So I'm only about eight, seven, eight, nine. You're 19. <laughs> but I says, right, let's go, we're running. But you imagine like a wee guy running as fast as you can go down the side of what feels like a cliff face. And my legs have just went further than they could carry me. Or faster than they could carry me, sorry. And I've just went flying. And I did, I burst my lip and I landed in sheep shit. And I'm covered in mud. And I also am that knows me, knows I hate my trainers being dirty or I hate my clothes being dirty. That'll just wind me right up. And you must have been about 20 hours behind me. But I said, you've tripped me <laughs> so that you could... And I said, you've tripped me so you could beat me to the bottom. And I just wouldn't let it go. I was absolutely raging all day. But aye, that was uh, that was one of my favourite things to do. One of the funniest stories that, I, that you've told, and I don't obviously remember it completely clearly, but was when... You had suggested that we could come up and camp and we could spend like a week just staying up there in, in the hills and all that and up the stream. And we'd seen rabbits running about and I'd said, oh, we could even, we could make pals with these rabbits and like talk to these animals. And then he said, that sounds a good idea. And he said, well, what would we eat though? Like what if we run out of food? So I said, oh, we can set a trap and we can catch some rabbits and eat them. And he said, well, you've, you've just said that we're going to make pals with the rabbits. How can you eat them? And then I've like, stopped for a second and went well 
we'll just eat the ones that we haven't met yet. <laughs> what you say is we'll eat, the, we'll eat the ones that we haven't actually met. <laughs> we haven't actually met. Uh, ones that are, you like catch a rabbit and go, oh, fuck no, we've met this guy, we better put him back. <laughs> but no, that was great fun. I mean, we, we had so many. I just, we had so many great things that we did that at the time was just the norm. Like, it was just normal, that's what we did, we went away. But looking back, like, I realised... So that's, that's what I was saying when I was talking about my life when I was young. Aye. I don't think it have been hard, but it was normal. Mm. We, just, we didn't know any better. Well, well I mean, hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm comparing the most cherished memories I've had to spending time with you, and you're comparing it to having a tough childhood. No, no, how, do, how do you think I, I saw this? Like, I had no, a great time. No, no, there's no comparison. What no, I'm saying is, was, what was horrendous to you telling you about my life Aye. and I'm not complaining about my life it's just the way it was it was, nor- it was normal to me not, not that I want to sidestep you for like tales of pure Angela's ashes style poverty but we, we were talking about good memories <laughs> so we'll, st- we'll stick on that for a bit but what I was going to say was like even stuff going away to Kurt Michael or the time we went up to uh, it would have been Kurt Michael we stayed at would that have been the time that we went up to the ski slopes and you, you nearly That's killed right. me That's right. so to explain or, I'll let you just so I'm not exaggerating how cold was it for a start? It was that cold my feet were sticking to the ground. Aye, that's, that's not an exaggeration. So we've went up to Glenshee to the ski slopes and I'm wearing just a trackie and trainers. And at this time I lived in southeast England with my mum, we lived in Essex. And honestly, it sounds like an exaggeration, but it's a, it's a totally different climate and it would be very mild there. So I'd come back up the road dressed for like April in, in the south of England. And they had this track on, and you sent me up, and I'm absolutely freezing. But you want to get a picture of me? I think it was standing in the snow, and my feet were soaking with the snow. And then I'm complaining, I'm raging, you're shouting at me. That is one memory. The one funny one I've got was it was that cold as well. So your partner at the time was with us, and uh, we were staying in a caravan. And uh, <laughs> so you were in the you were in the, the room because it was a one bedroom caravan, and I'm sleeping in the couch. Now, I had just a bed sheet. No, I do, I had a bed sheet. And uh, I remember it, it was that cold, I couldn't sleep. Now, kids can sleep through anything. Noise, light, anything. It was so cold, I couldn't sleep. And we got to like half eight, nine in the morning. And I was like, hadn't I slept a wink. And uh, I thought, right, I'm sure I can go and wake them up now because I can't go this any longer. I've walked out, I've opened the door and the first thing that's hit me is the heat. <laughs> it was like opening an oven. I was like, fuck. Like, kind of took a step back and the first thing you said you're like lying your legs at the covers this big thick duvet and the first thing you said was go and do us a favour and turn that heater off will you <laughs> and I ever just looked going this has got to be a, this has got to be a fucking wind up I think that's the first time I've ever walked away going I hate him I hate him I was free- the first and last but I was absolutely freezing but um, I mean my memory of times like that was just it was just amazing I mean I'm not going to go too deep into what just what isn't really anybody's business, but growing up, so it was just me and my mum. You know, there was no dad. Um, but I feel that you and especially my uncle Paul as well filled such a gap that at no point did I ever think I, I was lacking. Do you know what I mean? Because I remember once asking you, saying, turning around and saying, like, how come, I think I just asked the question, why have I not got a dad? And I got a very simple answer, which was like, well, I mean, dads, they're fat and they, they sit and drink beer and they, they eat too much. They eat too much. And do you want that? 
or would you rather just hang about with me and do these things? And I remember just... I remember saying that. I, I think we were turning out, actually, the the, the street at Inchbell Cottage to go onto that that road. It takes you either Coside or Kirky. And, um, but I just remember being so satisfied with that answer. And see, looking back, I realised that although in the traditional sense of family, I was missing something in terms of what I was given, like love, support, even friendship, guidance, a, a very positive role model. I had actually more than other people who did have have the normal two parents or whatever. And looking back, I can now see that those needs were met so much that that answer was totally satisfactory. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember saying that to you. And I remember thinking to myself, that's a good thing to say to him. Mm. Because I knew... No. I, I remember it was a funny story as well. So first of all, for pre sort of pretext is I had been told that my primary five school teacher um had so he taught my mum, Uncle Brian, Auntie Shell, I think he might have taught Uncle Paul, and he was then teaching me. And I was told that he hung Uncle Brian for the back of the door yeah. by his collar. I couldn't work out if this was just a joke or not. Yeah. And I thought about it all the time. And I remember I, I had basically been explaining some stuff <clears throat> about why my family dynamic was the way that it was. And it was a lot to take in. You know, I'm eight years old, nine years old, which is a baby. It's a, it's a child. I'm only a few years, you know, above being a toddler. And it's a lot to take in. And uh, Auntie Shell took me for a walk walking around Rob Royston and she just spoke at me for maybe 15, 20 minutes and she said, had a very pensive look in my face the whole time as if I was really deep in thought and taking in what was being said. And we got to the top of the street and she's turned around and said, now this is a lot of stuff for you to understand. And I, I totally understand if you've got questions. You can ask me anything. You can ask me any question. <laughs> I think I know what's coming. She's down in one knee. She's looking at me and she's feeling quite emotional as well because she's thinking, how is is this wee boy going to take this? You know, we moved into England, just me and my mum when I was five and she was 24. You know, this was before the times of phones. You know, there'd been quite a wee bit of disruption for any wee kid. So she's looking at me and she says, if you've got any question you want to ask, ask me anything anything and I promise you I will tell you the truth and I said well I have got a question <sighs> did Mr O'Donnell really hang Uncle Brian <laughs> for the back of that door <laughs> and she says it was that moment she went this guy doesn't give a fuck he honestly just doesn't care <laughs> oh, yeah. and it might have been hard for all you to understand that but for me like that was well, then, it, was, it, it was just nothing uh, it's water uh, off a duck's uh, back it just uh, didn't bother we, me we, 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 we're doing your thinking for you as a wee boy that's exactly I totally agree and looking back now being an adult with a wealth of life experience and a lot of challenges I can now look back and, and realise that all those things that you know any kid needs they were all met and I was provided with, with so much that while it was unconventional <clears throat> I would say that while I'm not perfect I think I've turned it no bad I think I'm an alright guy. Do you think so? Aye. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's for me to say, but obviously I would have an inflated opinion of myself. Mm. Um, 
and but so much of that does come down to you. Obviously, other family members as well all play their part, well, but well, you're the Sean, one. Uh, Sean, it's a lot of two ways. You, you, you're a credit to yourself, hmm. right? I do think so. Yeah. And, and also, you're a credit to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sean, you've done, you've done well. Every, I, I'm just so proud of you, Sean, I'll say that. Mm. That's all, that's that means that's a lot. I want to say. I'm so proud of you. I mean, I've... I talk about your time, TM. Do listen, but I suppose the last time I spoke about it properly in detail was we was with Gordon Smart, um, and we were talking about what motivates us in family. And for me, it's, I mean, pr- to make your family prouder for them to think you're all right is is a main thing. I mean, the only thing I would like to think anyway that I ask for for family uh, is their uh, time. Uh, so, is all I want is your time just to to spend time and to to enjoy time together. Um, but that one of the biggest thing that motivates me is. And it goes for all family, but for you especially, is to be able to, to look after you. And I don't mean that in the sense that you need to be looked after, but I feel like I've been given so much that I now would do everything I can to do well, well enough. Just go ahead, Sean. Aye. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll, I'm going to let you. <laughs> I mean, we'll talk about Lisbon. I mean, how, how good was that? So we, obviously, on the 25th of May 1967, Celtic defeated Inter Milan uh, to win the European Cup to be the first British team to do so in the Stadio Nacional uh, in Lisbon. Now, one of the things we've always talked about, and this will go down as one of my just greatest memories, like I just kind of get enough of this. I look back at the pictures all the time. But for the for I was 10 years old, right up until I was 28, one of the things we'd always say was, how amazing would it be to go to Lisbon together and to to retrace the steps that those fans made and to make the journey they would have made on the train and to walk up to the stadium. And I remember we were sitting up, do you remember up on the roof at 29 in the summer? Remember that place I take you in Royal Machine Square? And we're sitting and we're talking about it and then we just said, why don't we just book it? Why do we keep talking about it? Why don't we just book it? And we booked it there and then. And then from start to finish, it was just amazing. Oh, it was great. Playing Celtic songs in the hotel. Remember, we stayed in overnight in the hotel in, in Edinburgh, remember, before we flew? Because we went, remember, we get the we get the bus through to Edinburgh Airport. Oh, we stayed overnight, that's Stayed right. overnight. And yeah, then, I mean, right. get, what was the flight? It was like seven in the morning. I mean, how exciting was that? Just that whole build-up. Right. Uh, it was a big throw. Aye. Apart from the fact you turned up with a fucking suitcase for two weeks when I told you, bring a hand luggage case. And then you're going, no, it's fine. I can just put. I won't even go through the scanner. <laughs> well, in fact, I think I think my, my luggage cost more than the fares. Quadruple the flights. Aye. That's always going off my nut. Aye. Apart from that, though, it was a thrill. It was amazing. Aye, it was great. Listening Absolutely to Celtic songs on the way Aye. there. Aye. The, the Airbnb was brilliant. The Irish people. We were we getting the train. Aye. To go to the actual ground. Aye. To the Stadium National. Aye, well, what ha- what happened? Because I can't see it. I sound like a fanny. Oh no, that's right. Uh, we go on, on on the train. Make these Irish guys get talking, and they one of them, well, one or two of them. There's three, three, three guys. Aye, recognise Sean. You're the guy that does the you Sean for the podcast. Aye, <laughs> and I'm I'm sitting there like Paul Brun, all all proud. <laughs> <laughs> At least, well, would it be worse if they went either shite, mate? I absolutely aye, hate aye. them. They're rubbish. Aye. The thing is, the guys actually stayed in Switzerland. I well remember, I Switzerland aye, or Austria. I think they've gone between. They might be. They may very well be listening to this. If you are, lads, hope you had a good time. They were going to the stadium the next day, I believe. Aye, um, I think right. I've got. I think I've got one of them on Twitter. Um, 
I mean, that that journey, it was just, uh, it was an absolute thrill. But to be able to, for us just to spend that time together, because remember, like, going to the markets, that time out market. By the way, if you're in Lisbon, get yourself to the time out market. Unbelievable. Was it like 40 restaurants and food outlets and drink yeah, outlets in uh, one? Yeah, massive, and, massive uh, place. Just sitting there and telling stories like we spoke about. We spoke about so much, didn't we? And I felt like it was, um, I don't know, I just felt like it was, I don't think it would be possible, but to get just even closer, because we've never done that, like flying, because you're, you're living in each other's pockets. Uh, and yeah. apart from the fact that and, uh, also and it knows me knows for the first hour of being awake, I just don't want to speak to anybody, don't want to talk to anybody, I don't want to look at anybody. And apart from that, for my, my grumpiness for the first hour of each morning, it was just a pure laugh, like, the whole yeah, time. Yeah, it was good. Um, I mean, what? how did you feel walking about that stadium? Oh, I'll tell you how I felt walking about the stadium. So the pictures I got of you were, like, as if a professional would take, you know, I'm getting the whole stadium, and I've got you in your hoops. And then when I get you to take a picture of me, your finger's over the lens. It's not actually even pointing at me. If ever there was a time I was going to kill you and bury you, it would have been, been there. <laughs> Well, if you'd buried me in that stadium, I'd have been quite, have been quite <laughs> no, happy. Not the worst place to be buried. Now, how did you feel, though? Because... Oh, just fantastic. I mean, when you look at the pictures we've taken, exactly the same when Big Bully stood there with, yeah. with, with, with the cup. I remember we, we watched a couple of videos of... Basically, we're watching, like, the team coming out and all that, and then we're standing exactly where they oh, came. And oh. It was I, so tiny, the, 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 the entrance I know. to the dressing room, to the pitch. We just to go there and actually look at it and, you know, and touch, uh, I know it was uh, a really surreal and and, and the steps were uh, better all just started singing the Celtic song yeah my you know I mean and I mean obviously there'll be Rangers supporters listening to this and I think ninety nine point nine percent will be able to understand what that would have meant to us because uh, not only as a Celtic supporter but it's for together because uh, I've lost uh, count of the amount of times we've sat and watched the game uh, or uh, highlights of the game uh, or documentaries about the game uh, or, or it, it just meant it meant everything and I just felt like Can I say this while we're talking about Celtic and Bertie Old you know I just love Bertie Old mm. I just love him he's, he's a real real Celtic Celtic man I love him Aye, I'm, I'm a fan. Um, I'm a big fan of Bertie. Uh, the other thing I was going to say was, oh, I, and I can see where I get my, because I've always of the opinion of it's better just to do something and ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. And we were warned when we walked in, for anybody that's going, by the way, I'll, I'll not labour this point too much because I'm aware there's non-Celtic fans listening, but when you turn up, as soon as they see the hoops, the, the security guy gave us a cuddle and took us up and he says go anywhere you want he went don't go on the grass well, same guy at picture pocket <laughs> oh, where's my wallet um, but he, he's uh, like very very nice very nice very and like nice, go up and he yeah. says go anywhere you want stay as long as you please please don't go on the grass what is the first thing and even I was like no don't the guy's told us like he said go, don't go on the grass we can't really like, we need to respect that he's been so sound he's brought us up and you're like fuck this do we not give the wee guy 20 quid to take pictures of as well I was, may have given money, but, he did. but I, 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 I couldn't go that far and no stand in that pitch. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Do you want to go back? Do you want to go back? Yeah, go back eh? Because we were planned, so remember we were obviously planned to go away together to Malaga for four days just to right. chill in the sun. Right. Um, but obviously COVID put an end to that. 
we're still sitting there with vouchers for for flights, so we could maybe go back, but we'll see. But it was just it was an unbelievable experience. Um, do you remember? I don't know if you remember this. So every time I write a birthday card for you for years, I've always written, "If I could go for a pint with anybody, living or dead, I choose you every time." And we're talking about it, and then I said it again. We were sitting in the Lisbon market, and we're kind of we've just had a great day. It's just something we've always dreamed about. And I said to you. Honestly, I mean it. If I, if somebody could wave a wand and I could, you see, you can have a pint and sit in a conversation for an hour with one person, living or dead, anybody you want, said I would choose you every single time. And you said, I think I'd choose Jock Steen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, did I say that? You did, I. Yeah. Well, that's not a funny side. But I, fair enough, I'd probably choose Jock Steen as well. I'd fuck you off at the first chance I got if it was to sit and, and talk to him. I mean, go back to. Go back to you and family stuff. There's so many funny stories over the years. One I really, really want you to tell is your sister that moved to America and she, with the postman, know what I'm talking about? Yeah, aye, that's right. Well, see, she never moved to America. She was in America. Oh, oh right, okay. And, and she was flying back. That was two flights. So, I mean, this was this the 1980s? Uh, no, no. Uh, I think it was the 90s. 90s. But even then, so... The point I was going to make because it's not just as simple as catch a flight from New York to Glasgow International. You have to fly Aye. all over. Whatever it was, it was two flights. So she gets back to her place, stay in the greens and get in tiller. So you get back to her place uh, early hours in the morning. She woke up, a chap at the door, it was a postman. She still thinks she's in America because she's sparkled. Well, she could, she could do this stage where he opened the door, right? Post, we postman store and we let her in a pen. She had to sign for So the guy said, that, don't you sign for this? And my sister says, are you Scottish? <laughs> this, is, this is in Kirk and Tillock outside Kirk Glasgow. Aye, this is in Lindsay, right? Are you Scottish? The guy sort of looked at her as if, she says, aye. He says, where'd you come from? He says, Captain Tullock, do you? So do you. <laughs> <laughs> and the guys look pure fucking bewildered. <laughs> so he probably went back to the station and got, don't fucking send me back up to that house again. <laughs> I, I remember you telling that and saying that he's like on his back, not the driveway, not taking his eyes off her in case she makes a move from her on him. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, as we're kind of rounding up as well, um, obviously we've discussed so much childhood jobs funny stories all these kind of things let's look back at life you know as you get to this point what wouldn't priorities change the way you see the world changes but what's the most important thing to you at this point at this point just now apart from me well you know you're included it's my grandkids really is the most important thing mm-hmm. right now you know I just, I just love them so much mm. love them so much I think, though, I mean, I know the other ones are, are great in that, but because I've got the time on them and I've got a few more years on them, then that should mean that I get number one place just by proxy. You'll always be number one. <laughs> if Aaron or Thomas or uh, Emily or Ayla or Aaron and Lewis are listening to this, then... Uh, I, that's it, exactly. They, they use, he's only oh, saying that because I'm here. Don't worry, you six are the, are the most important. Well, I mean, I suppose... I was going to say, like, round it up, but we're just about to go for something to eat. We speak to each other on the phone most days, so I, there's no need for any dramatic, like, oh, Grandpa, thank you for everything. But 
I suppose I want to say that. I don't know if I've ever actually said that to you. Just thanks for everything. I mean, I would, I would hope that my our relationship and how much time we spend together, I would hope that that would kind of show that. But sometimes you need to just say that, don't you? Oh, I, I don't think I would be. I don't think I would be where I am or who I am without you. Well, thanks for that, Sean. I appreciate it. Aye. I don't blame you for saying all that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you know what? I suppose I'll just round up by saying, bang, I always say, if I could go for a pint with anybody living or dead, I would choose you every single time. Leathered was written, recorded and produced by Sean McDonald in association with The Big Light. Music and post-production by Brian McAlpine and for more information, go to thebiglight.com. From The Big Light Studio.